Hello, welcome back to Fast Charge. This week, I'm joined once again by David Price from Macworld. Hello, Dom. Uh, hi, and uh, also Evelina Galli making her debut on the show. She is from our Swedish sister site, M3. That's me. Hello. <laughs> okay, so we've got a few bits of big news this week, actually, which is nice after so last week was big, and before that, it was slow for a while, I'll admit. Uh, this week, we've had the launch of the Motorola Edge and Edge Plus, which is kind of exciting just because it's the first flagships Motorola has made in forever. Uh, beyond that, we have uh, some kind of promising design leaks from the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro. And finally, the LG Velvet, which we didn't have time to talk about last week, but that worked out okay because LG has revealed some more info on it over the past seven days. So we can break it all down right here. Okay, so first up, the Motorola Edge and Edge Plus. Um, I actually can't remember what the last Motorola flagship was. I guess it was the modular Z5 or something like that, which was sort of two or three years ago, if I'm getting my model numbers right. Maybe it's the Z4. Um, anyway, they, yeah, they, they went big on modular phones, those things you could slot in and slot out. It didn't work. They then stopped making flagships at all for a while. Um, the Motorola Razr, their foldable clamshell thing, is kind of flagshipy. It's certainly flagship priced, but not really flagship spec'd. But the Edge and Edge Plus are like flagships through and through, like from the price tag down to like the core specs, which are actually really impressive. Uh, and I've been really pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah, Evelina, what do you think of like of it so far from what we've seen? Yeah, so obviously very. This is so new right now. We don't really know the price point exactly of these phones. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's definitely a flagship. Um, personally, I think it's such a difficult segment to get into right now. Mm -hmm. There are so many strong players. And as consumers, we tend to not change if we're already, you know, if you're a Samsung user, you're going to use that. If you're yep. going to, if you like OnePlus, you're going to use that. And Montreal is something we think of as, you know, mid-range to budget phones. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can break that, if they're going to have like the PR campaign of the decade yeah. into that segment. What's reassured me is that obviously we've known for a while that they were going to make a flagship. There were rumors for a long time and then they eventually confirmed it would be happening. And I think with this launch timing, it was probably meant to be an MWC phone in February. So it's all been delayed, but we've kind of known for a while this was coming. I really had the fear that it was going to be that kind of Nokia style, almost a flagship. Like not quite the top end processor, not quite the best cameras, but still getting up to flagship price. And they were going to call it a flagship, but we were all going to say eh, it's not really. Um, and just like, you know, headline specs here, it's a Snapdragon 865. So that's the top uh, Android processor you can get right now. Uh, 12 gigabytes of DDR5 RAM, um, which again is almost the most you're going to get in a phone. Um, it has 5G, obviously, both millimeter wave and sub six. It's got a 90 hertz refresh rate, a really big 6.7 inch curved display. Um, triple camera with 108 megapixel main sensor. So all of these are the kind of things that are, you know, top, top tier phones. They haven't really missed out on anything. They haven't skimped anywhere, which is kind of reassuring. Um, equally, there's nothing about it that's really unique. You know, right? they don't have a unique sound point <laughs> at all. The closest thing to that is that it's a thousand dollar phone that still has a headphone jack. And which... also quite a big battery as well. That's true, actually. I mean, they're, so they're saying it's the biggest battery in a 5G phone, which is technically true in that it's the same size battery as the S20 Ultra and probably something else. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, that it's currently tied for biggest battery in a 5G phone. So battery life should be good. 
um, and should be better than the Ultra because it's Snapdragon everywhere and it's a slightly smaller display and it's 90 hertz rather than 120 hertz. So actually a 5,000 milliamp hour battery should mean comfortably a day of use, which uh, the Ultra was... Um, but other than that, there's nothing about it that's distinctive. Um, although I like the look of it quite a lot and they've gone for nice color finishes. I also, I, I actually want to call out the fact that they've gone for really good color names in that kind of breed of really dumb color names. Um, so if you get the this proper flagship Edge Plus, you get to pick between Thunder Grey, which is actually kind of blue, uh, and my, my absolute favorite, Smoky Sangria, which this is, is a, a terrible kind of... Dawn. <laughs> these, are the, these are the worst names I've ever heard. <laughs> it's better than, I can't remember what phone it was now, something the other week was Classy White. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly got out of my head what phone you're classy, that was. You're not yeah. classy. I think maybe that was the LG V60 was classy white, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but then if you, it's a bit more boring on the regular edge, uh, which is uh, solar black or midnight magenta. Um, How does solar edge, black even work, Don? Um, it, it's the black of a solar eclipse, David. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I am, my best guess is what they're getting at there is the fact that on the edge, though weirdly not the more expensive Edge Plus, if you look at some of the photos, there's almost a like rainbowy tint to the curved edges. Um, so the way they've curved the glass means it does sort of reflect nicely, but just on the curved edges, unless that's just a really clever trick of their product photography, because I haven't seen one in person. But um, it looks like it has a nice like rainbowy finish just at the sides, though that's not on the Edge Plus, um, which is a bit weird. Uh, yeah, so there's an Edge and an Edge Plus. The Edge, you're basically dropping the battery size down a bit. The camera goes from 108 to 64 megapixel, but then the, they both still have the same telephoto and ultra-wide options. Um, it's a Snapdragon 765 rather than 865, so it'll be slower, but it's still got 5G support, though not millimeter wave, just sub-6. Uh, less RAM, slightly less storage, no wireless charging on the regular Edge, but you do get it on the Plus and less waterproof. It's IP54 versus IP68. Um, so yeah, like they're basically the same design and the same size. You just kind of, it's almost, almost every spec has a slight drop down on the edge, which is kind of an interesting way to do it. We haven't actually seen that many people do it that way with different parts of the same line, especially the processor drop. Um, I wonder if that's gonna confuse people a bit because I think people are generally used to, if they have something with the same name it's going to have the same internals, with the exception of like light models or something. But but you're um, just getting the edge, right? Hmm. You are just yeah. getting the edge. Yeah. The, again, it's also slightly confusing markets. So as far as we're aware, in the UK, we get the edge, but we don't get the edge plus. Um, Sweden will be getting the edge plus. I don't Sweden, know if you're getting the edge or not. So I think we get both. I'm not okay. sure, but I find it funny that we're for once one of the places that gets the high-end phones. Mm -hmm. um, and then the US, the US is getting both, but they get the Edge Plus in May, and the regular Edge is summer, whenever that will be. So, yeah, it's a slightly odd release strategy. Things are staggered. I'm not even sure what time we get the edge here since that's the only one we get i don't know if that means we get it now or if we're also getting it in the summer um i would guess this is fundamentally just a question of stock 
yeah, stock shortages. Um, presumably they just don't have enough of these things, which I suspect is also why the launch has been pushed back, given we've been hearing about Motorola Edge for, for three months or something like that. Um, so they probably just don't have enough. But um, yeah, I'm actually kind of impressed, and especially the price. So again, I don't have British UK... I don't, UK Edge Plus pricing. But in the US, the Plus model is $999, which basically puts it with the OnePlus 8 Pro um, and kind of around the same line as the regular Galaxy S20, but down from the Ultra. Um, but given you're getting like the 108 megapixel main lens, that huge battery, um, it can shoot 6K video, not 8K, but uh, 8K on the S20s was terrible. So that makes sense. It could probably handle 6K better. Um, like, everything you're getting in this, I actually think is really good. Um, it's maybe a shame it's 90 hertz rather than 120, but I don't think that matters that much. I'm just no. having a difficult time seeing who will buy it. I think maybe, even if this one gets great reviews, I'm not sure there's a big market for it. Maybe, though, the next generation, when they've sort of established themselves as flagship makers, maybe that generation will go better, but I'm not sure about this first one. I Yeah, I kind of get it. I think you're right when you say that people tend to stick with the brand, right, um, as much as possible. If they can, they'll just go for the new model in the brand they already have. And so Motorola's kind of missed the window to be catching people who used to own Motorola flagships and want a new one. Yeah. Um, I think the strategy was probably make everyone fall in love with the Razer and then wow them with a real flagship. And that would have been great if everyone had loved the Razer, but they didn't because it wasn't that good and was very expensive and a lot of them broke. Um, so they've kind of shot themselves in the foot by trying to do the lead up to like we're back in flagship by doing this like exciting retro thing and then it didn't really work out that well um, but they won't even give us a razor to try I, I think because they may be worried it will just break on us or something um, yeah I, I think you're right I think this is going to be a really one of the things where it will be one of the best phones that no one really buys this year which is a shame um, is, there a, is there a sense Dom that now is not a good time to be releasing a flagship phone. Oh yeah, deeply. Uh, it's but you know they were presumably planning to do this earlier this year, and once they've got it made and ready to go, at some point you've just got to go ahead with it. Um, but it is hard. I think there's definitely reduced interest in flagships right now for obvious reasons. People aren't looking to spend a thousand pounds on a phone if they. I think that's why it's perfect timing for the iPhone SE, because this is exactly the time that people are looking at cutting cost places. And even if you are ready to buy a new phone, you're probably, if that's a place you can save a few hundred quid, that is going to make sense for a lot of people right now. Um, so I think especially a brand that's essentially new to flagships, given how long they've been out of it, again, it's a really hard sell to say you should spend a thousand on a Motorola. I think a lot of people are going to not... Um, but we'll see. I mean, like I said, it's it's out. It's not out for another month um, anyway. It's it's in mid-May. It comes out in the US at least. So there's a little bit of time for things to maybe get slightly more normal. But I don't know. Um, but I am pleasantly surprised. I I hope they, even if this doesn't do that well, I hope this is a signal of Motorola that they're going to at least put a few years into trying to make phones at this price. And at the price that the edge is at, which is at the sort of 500, 600 mark, because that makes sense. And I think they can do well there. Um, their budget stuff is still really good. I just, you know, had the Moto G8 Power the other week. I've got the G8 Power Lite coming in soon. Um, and I've been, I'm always impressed by the G Series stuff. Um, and 
I think they make such good cheap phones that there's no reason they can't make good expensive phones. They just need to convince people that they're a premium brand again. And that's going to be, like you said, Evelina, it's, it's a PR thing at this point for them more than the phone, unless it turns out the camera's rubbish in person or something, the phone looks like it's really, really good on paper and really good value. Um, but they've just got to convince a few million people of that, <laughs> uh, which I don't envy them. That is probably about all we've got to say about the Edge stuff. So I think let's move on to iPhone. So um, David, you're going to know a lot more than me about this, but my understanding is we've basically had a leak that suggests that the next iPhone series post SE um, is going to look a bit more like the latest iPad Pros. Is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah, that's part of it. Uh, we've been saying this for a while, um, that the iPad Pro um, sort of design language will be transferred across to the iPhone, so you've got those slightly more squared off edges. That we got that. We've had that for a while, actually. About 2018 was the first iPad Pro with no home button, and it had that squared off edge. So somebody sent in uh, CAD, C-A-D, schematics mm. of the iPhone 12 Pro uh, Max, to a guy called Max Weinbach, who's a, a leaker. Uh, and then he sent that to a guy who has a YouTube channel and he printed it out, you know, 3D printed it. And it's, right. uh, to be honest, you see it and you think that's pretty similar to the iPhone 11 Pro Max. Because, um, you know, what you go, we get into this sort of inside baseball thing where we're all debating small mm. details. And it is interesting. Like it, There are like multiple changes from the iPhone 11 Pro Max, but it's the... It's it's essentially a very similar design. It's more squared off on the corners. The cameras on the back have been sort of um, like reconfigured a bit. So it was I didn't even realise this. It was a rectangle. The array that the uh, the three camera lenses on the back of the iPhone 11 Pro Max and 11 Pro mm. uh, is slightly elongated. And that's now an actual square. Um, and there's also there's now four four sensors in there, but only three of them are camera lenses. The fourth one is uh, lidar which is the sensor right, yeah. that none, none of us had heard of until a few months ago. I, I'm sure, sorry, I'm sure lots of people have heard of it. <laughs> I wasn't familiar with LiDAR until they started talking about it in the iPad Pro 2020. Um, but other than that, it's it's pretty similar. So it's not exactly incendiary, is what I'm trying no. to say. The the front notch is meant to get a bit smaller as well. Is that right? Yeah. That's Well, they're, they're not sure. So, right. yeah, the... the there's a lot of wiggle room in this leak, I'll, I'll tell you, Dom. Um, so he said, he said that the, he first of all said that the, uh, it's 70% sort of accurate, 70% finished. Mm -hmm. He's got to bear in mind, it's still a while before this is going to come out. Uh, and he said that um, the camera stuff is is wrong for security reasons. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this sort of stuff because you know that Apple, very, very famously secretive company. Yeah. Which isn't really working as well as it as it used to because everybody's working from home. So they're having to send out prototypes to all their engineers in their homes, which is far more opportunities for this stuff to get out. But it's like they did it, you know, about trap streets in um, in, in maps. Yeah. They deliberately put in, oh, this is made up street, and then just to see if anybody else copies it, and then they'll know that they copied their map. So I, I assume that's it. But if that's it, you'd have to do it differently for each schematic and then yeah. you'd be able to identify the source. And he's, he's perfectly happy. Well, my source is not going to get caught out here. So I don't really understand 
how that's a security measure if it's just wrong <laughs> on all of them. But okay. Anyway. Just sending all their own engineers the wrong information. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember what I was started off talking about. Oh, yeah, the notch. Yeah, so he's not yeah. sure. Um, he, he did multiple different printouts with different degrees of shrinkage in of the right. notch, right? So some of them it's, it's like almost approaching the teardrop notch, which mm. is on one of the phones you sent me to read about for today. I can't remember <laughs> which one. Uh, that's the um, LG one we'll be getting to in a bit. Which I'm, not, I'm not so keen on that. But, I mean, personally, I'm sorry, I'm just talking for ages here. Personally, I... I'm not keen on the idea of the notch being smaller. I really? think, yeah, hundred percent. I think you lean in on this on this stuff. I think um, they did it. Then you say it's not a bug; it's a feature. This is our thing. This is our iconic design. Mm-hmm. It replaces um, the home button. I remember uh, Chris Finn had this really great theory that when they went from the home button, which is a really identifiable, that is an iPhone. That little circle with the square in it, or circle with a squircle in it completely identifiable that was gone so people couldn't instinctively see a device and think well that's an iphone and mm. so instead there was the notch and they didn't do it because of that but it was quite a nice side effect but now if they if they get rid of it that's great and then they can say well courage you know big step forward insanely great but if they just make it smaller then that's like admitting it wasn't very good and they well, we made it a bit better but we still haven't got rid of it it's still there but it's just not quite as rubbish i, I don't know i think they yeah. should have gone all in and just kept it or got rid of it completely when they're able to do that. I think I agree. I think it makes more sense for them to keep that as a recognizably iPhone thing. Because of course there was, when the 10 came out for the next year, every Android phone had exactly the same notch set up. Um, but then all the Android manufacturers have done their best to shrink the notch down to a teardrop or get rid of it and have a pop-up or turn it into a pinhole camera. So now the iPhone is the only phone left that has that big wide notch. And so it is an iPhone thing and that makes sense. And that's a very Apple thing to just hang on to it for that. Um, and I think the same reason, I think they'll just hang on to it until until they're ready to do a proper under display camera setup. They'll keep the big chunky notch or at least something that looks roughly like it. Um, the downside for them is they pack so many sensors in there to make their face ID really good um, that actually they're gonna have so many more technical challenges to putting it under the display than most Android companies. So Android will have those working under display ones first because so many Android phones just put a single selfie lens on the front anyway and don't bother with the rest. Um, so that's much easier. Whereas I it, I suspect Apple will sort of inevitably lag behind in doing proper under display. So if they go that way, it could still be a big fat notch for another three years, um, which I guess is the point where they maybe stop to worry. But short of ditching some of their sensors, they don't really have any other options. Yeah, and the and the quality of Face ID is 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 a big selling point, I think. Yeah, um, and it's worth it. Yeah. Nothing on Android can match Face ID. Um, none of the Android face unlocks are anywhere near that good or secure. So, um, I I get that they stick with it. And again, they're Apple, so they can get away with it. Any Android manufacturer who still had a big fat notch like that on their flagship would get rinsed for it. Um, but it's Apple, so it's fine because it looks like an iPhone, and that in itself makes it look good. Yeah, I think that's fair. I should um, I should say I've 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 played this down a little bit this week. Um, the screen the screen is bigger, not oh, by right. a lot. Uh, so it's it was six point five inches before, and it's six point seven inches now. And they've done that by a sort of um, pincer movement. They, they've made the bezel smaller, but they've also mm. made the chassis itself a little bit wider, a little bit taller. Um, but it is uh, it's flat. It's, it's thinner as well. Okay. Um, 
So and again, that makes sense in terms of what other brands are doing, and that is one area where I think they were lagging a bit behind. Their bezels were still pretty, pretty thick. Yeah, um, for an all-screen design, yeah, the the screen-to-body ratio isn't actually that great on the iPhone 11 Pro. But luckily, they have resisted the urge to go in for curved displays. Um, that's one thing the Motorola we didn't talk about. Like they're they're calling it the edge partly because the edges of the screens are like curves almost ninety degrees around or something, some nonsense like that. So you have this unusable curved edge. Um, uh, I you know it is my pet peeve of a lot of Android flagships. So that is the way things are going, and I love that Samsung drew back from it this year. Um, I, it is a little bit of reassurance that Apple has clearly just always looked at those kind of curved panels and just nah. Yeah, I'm not keen on that thing. I mean, yeah, it feels gimmicky. It's interesting looking, but yeah, I don't think I'd like it. They're flashy, but at the price... Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, they're flashy, but at the price of usability, which I think is the kind of prior- Apple prioritizes that the other way around. They like flashy things, obviously, but not if it's going to get in the way of the user experience or like confuse your nan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if the new design will make them less slippery too. Like easier to hold in your hand because basically modern phones are soaps right now. Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering if they sort of because I love my iPhone four and five. I don't miss them, but I like the new design. So I'm wondering mm. if this one will make them less slippery to hold, although kind of slightly more difficult to put in girls' jeans pockets, which is already a problem with this big phone. I have a lot of trouble putting them in girls' jeans. I never, <laughs> <laughs> never goes well for you, does it, David? <laughs> Yes, the, yeah. um, the the guy that the guy that printed that he said um, that it was it was said it was very comfortable in the hand and it felt futuristic and it felt sleek, mm. and the word sleek slightly worries me because it sounds good but it possibly means slip prone, um, so I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I hope hopefully though the fact that it's wider <sighs> troubles me a little bit because I I like the iPhone ten I thought that was a really good design. Mm. And a really good compromise because they they took the seven plus, and they gave it a bigger screen, but it was a significantly smaller device. I, I like that. Um, and then the next year they come out with the ten s plus, and they think, well, why don't we throw away all that stuff we've gained in portability? Mm. Let's just have an even bigger screen. And I know, I know, this in Android land, it's all getting into that sort of six point seven inch territory or bigger. I just I don't think that's really necessary. And I have I have an eleven Pro, so I think the biggest screens. I personally don't like them. Um, mm. I know they. I know they're quite good for gaming, but I, I worry that this is getting excessive. You know, from a from a pocketability point of view, exactly. Mm. No, I there agree are with that. some rumours that there will be like a really comp- like very compact iPhone this year, isn't it? Yeah, well, I I think that was just the iPhone SE twenty twenty. Mm. Um, yeah, they they were talking about these sort of. Um, what's the word, uh, sort of in-betweener sizes, sort of 5.4 inches and things like that, yeah. um, somewhere between the SE and, and, the, and the 11. But I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I hope it does. I think that would be brilliant. I think I think smaller phones, I think that's the gap that Apple can can tap into. Yeah, and the Android is, is mostly neglecting at this point. Um, but I will say on the SE, it's kind of a shame the way this timing looks like it's working out, which is that they're kind of going back to that iPhone 4, iPhone 5, slightly squared off design. And they just released the SE, which had that design in its first iteration, and lots of people wanted it to have that design again. And it may be the last one that actually has the rounded like iPhone 8 chassis. 
and then yeah, maybe in, we're about to get these squared off iPhone 12s and everyone's going to look and say, well, couldn't, couldn't the SE have had that? Um, yeah, but the iPhone SE is is cheaper, so it, it cannot, by the rules of marketing, it cannot have <laughs> the latest of anything. So if it was the first exactly. to get the new design, that would never work. But no. Um, I know what you mean. Which, again, is a rule that Android manufacturers break all the time and then it makes the flagship launches really confusing. Um, Samsung basically like gave away the S20 design on the... Uh, sort of S10 Lite and A51 and A71, which were its like mid-range things it announced at CES. And they had all the design language that then went into the S20 series. So when the S20 arrived, it didn't look exciting and new. It was like, oh, it's like those cheap phones you released two months ago. <laughs> Great. Uh, Apple won't fall into that trap, I think. Okay, I mean, that feels like as good a note as any to move on to the LG Velvet, because this is basically all about a new design, a new branding, and a big shift for LG. Um, so LG Velvet is basically the LG have revealed will be their next flagship phone. Um, it's probably what the G9 would have been, but they're just scrapping that. And basically it sounds like they're entirely giving up on that naming convention they had, which was alphanumeric. So we had the you know G6, G7, G8, and then the sort of V30, V40, V50, and we just had the V60. Um, and it sounds like they're just moving away from that entirely. There was a sort of state from them that they're moving away from alphanumerical designations in favor of familiar and expressive names like Velvet. Uh, and Velvet is intended to evoke images of lustrous smoothness and premium softness, two key characteristics of the new phone. <laughs> softness softness a velvety soft phone i don't know what that means i don't think it's going to be a soft phone i'm confident in that <laughs> a fussy phone yeah um it doesn't look fuzzy from the the images and the video they've put out um so yeah i mean it looks lovely though actually um the naming is interesting i think it kind of makes sense because the g series and v series got unwieldy the fact that the v's went up in tens and the g's went up in individual units made it really hard to tell what match at least like samsung matches its s and note numbers so you can always know that they're on a par uh lg's you couldn't tell what matched from the v and the g lines um and honestly just as a flagship brand it was kind of dead no one had that much interest anymore um velvet will inevitably have the problem of what's the next one called Assuming they each have different noun names, how do you remember which one's the new one and which one's the old one and how many years ago that was? So that will be confusing in its own way. But it will stand out. Um, and that kind of looks like what they're trying to do a bit with the design as well, which my favorite thing about it and the standout thing is definitely the camera array on the back, which they're calling a raindrop camera, um, which basically just means the four lenses are arrayed vertically with the biggest one at the top and then they go down in size, and it just kind of looks like a falling drop of water if you squint really hard. Um, but it looks nice, and they're not housed in a big square rectangle block wedge thing like every other phone at the moment. Um, and it looks like they've you know picked which lens goes where based on what will look the nicest, which I feel like is a thing even Apple and Samsung have forgotten how to do, and they're just throwing lenses onto phones anywhere they'll fit. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, Dom, do you know what are the what are the benefits of having in a vertical array in in sort of photographic terms? Because I always found it strange when mm. 
I'm an Apple guy, when they went from having the, the two lenses horizontally, which I thought would match, in a sort of biological sense, it would match the stereoscopic human mm. eyes. I thought there must be some benefits to that. And then they went when they went vertical, and I thought, is there some difference to that? Or is that is that purely a design, what looks nicest point of view? I suspect. Uh, I'm not aware of any difference it would have photographically, but I'm ready to be told I'm wrong. Um, I suspect it would be a combination of design and um, internal space, like where all the internal components are and that's where you can squeeze camera sensors in, um, especially because camera sensors are getting bigger, so they take up more space. Um, otherwise, I mean, I assume part of the move towards the square blocks is to put the lenses closer together as you have more and more lenses so that when you switch between them, you don't get as much like a perspective shift from the lens being further along the chassis, whereas putting them all together probably makes it look more like they're all shooting from the same spot. Um, but yeah, between vertical and horizontal, I, I don't know if there's actually any photographic difference. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, it looks like a nice phone. We don't know a whole lot about it. We know it will come in red, black, white, and green. We know it's got that raindrop camera ray on the back. We have no idea what those lenses are. We know it's got a teardrop notch on the front. So the little central camera notch that's just a single small lens. Uh, it's got a headphone jack and a Google Assistant button. We can tell that from the renders. Um, and basically the only spec thing they've said is that it's a Snapdragon 765G, which is the same processor as the Motorola Edge, the sort of cheaper Edge, um, which again, 5G chip, but not totally high end. Um, this actually makes a lot of sense to me. I, I think it makes sense for Motorola as well. One of the big stories in sort of Android land over the past few months has basically been that the Snapdragon 865 is really expensive um, and that Qualcomm is charging a lot for it. Um, I saw a lot of discussion of this after the SE came out because people were saying it would be like economically impossible to make a phone at the SE price point with the 865, which would be the equivalent to putting in the uh, A13, you know fastest processor around because they just it costs so much to buy those from Qualcomm that you just couldn't make enough money on the phone at that price um, which is obviously the perk Apple has in making its own so the 765G makes sense it means this will be in that kind of upper mid tier I guess you know 700 pounds 700 dollars rather than a grand I would hope I've heard that LG is going for a very offensive price strategy though that they're <laughs> going to try to be very competitive uh -huh. So fingers crossed. That would make sense for them. Again, because I think they're in the same position to Motorola, or sim similar rather, which is that people have lost a bit of faith in them as a flagship brand. Yeah. Unlike Motorola, they've still been making them, like two or even three a year. Um, uh, even more, actually, if you count all the G8 variants we got. So they've been making a lot, but people aren't always buying them. And certainly they've really struggled to even sell them in the UK as in like the retailers just won't stock them because they've lost faith that people want to buy LG phones. Um, so I think they needed this change of tack. And I think, yeah, going cheaper makes sense. Um, it's, you know, hopefully they're not going to do what Motorola are doing with the Edge Plus, which I think rightly made, made you nervous that they might not be able to persuade people to drop that kind of money because they've got to basically find a new, a new customer base. They can't rely on an existing one. Um, there is one thing they are hopefully keeping, but maybe improving, which is there was, I think just today or maybe yesterday, um, there was a, a sort of certification notice for a screen case for a new codename LG phone. So that is probably a dual screen case for the Velvet, which 
is what they've obviously been pushing on the V60, the V50, and the G8X, I want to say. Um, and it's their slightly weird clip-on case that gives you a second screen and kind of gives you like a foldable, but not really, because it's just an accessory case. Um, have you actually used one of those? Uh, David, I'm sure you haven't touched one of these. Dirty Android phone, you wouldn't go near Certainly it. Certainly not. Um, Evelina, have you used any of the dual screen ones? No, they they haven't come to Sweden yet. Really? Yeah. Yep. I quite like them. And I feel weird about that because when I first saw, saw the first one, I thought it was the dumbest thing. Uh, but actually using them, and the first generation was pretty bad, actually. But they really improved it with the G8X. I've heard the V60 is, is similarly good. Um, and if they can improve it a bit more, maybe reduce the sort of bezeling a bit so it looks more like one seamless screen rather than very obviously being two with a big gap between them. Um, but it's great for multitasking. All the benefits, all the practical benefits you get out of having a foldable phone, but without having to pay like a grand and a half or two grand to, um, to get it, basically. Um, the downside is it makes the phone pretty chunky. Um, and LG was clearly always figuring out whether it was a thing that should be bundled in with the phone or sold separately. And they've gone back and forth with every device and different markets have had it different ways. And you can tell they just don't really know yet which way works. And I don't know when they ever will figure that out. Um, but it's, it's the thing that I think everyone looks at the LG flagships and says, that's rubbish. And then I think you try it and you kind of go, oh, okay. It's ugly, but it does work. And presumably... Sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Evelyn. I don't want no, to talk No, you go that. ahead. <laughs> what, what, all I was going to say is that whenever I see those folding phones, I, won't, I worry that they're going to break. But if you have an accessory that you buy separately and that breaks, presumably mm. it's much easier just to go back and buy that again. So it's less of a worry. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's an affordable thing to, to break. Um, you can also take the phone out of it, obviously. So it's also a thing you can take with you when you know you've got a big train journey and you want a nice way of watching TV but leave at home when you know you just want to have a more compact phone to slip in your pocket all day. Yeah, I think maybe the most clever way for LG to sort of push this phone is to uh, aim it towards more business uses, maybe, like the Fold, sort of for professional uses, or like the Note, mm. because I feel like there needs to be some competition on that market right now. Yeah, it's one of the odd choices in the, the way they actually pushed the dual screen before was always more like, you can use one screen as a gamepad, or it's really good for taking selfies. And I never felt like they put enough emphasis on, like, you can have your email on one screen and have your calendar on the other screen, and that's really handy. Or you can actually have, like, you know, if you use Google Docs or Office on your phone, you can have that one screen. And, you know, it is good for productivity. It's really useful, but it's never been the, it's not the sexy angle. So that's not what they want to push. But, um, you know, I do wonder if there's a space for that where they can just kind of say, look, you know, your company doesn't want to drop two grand buying you a Galaxy Fold, but it might drop 800 buying you this phone with a second screen, which is also super good for productivity. And again, because it's flexible, you can take it in and out. It could be like, well, I clip the case on on a work day when I know I want it for like work multitasking, but I don't when I'm just going out by myself. Not that any of us go out ever, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see what they're doing. We don't know, they're, they're sort of drip feeding info, which makes sense. But I think the expectation is that it'll probably come out in May. And probably knowing our luck, they'll reveal absolutely everything about the phone in the 24 hours between us recording this and putting it live. And we're all going to look like pits. Um, <laughs> but fingers crossed, no. <laughs> Hopefully they wait at least a week. Um, 
But I would really like to see LG keep making good phones, but make good phones people want to buy. And that's kind of where they slipped up. It felt like they kept making the phones they wanted to make and were ignoring the fact that the market kept like screaming no at them. Um, and hopefully this is a change. Um, and I really, really, really want to know what premium softness is. <laughs> okay, I think that probably wraps it up for today on that slightly unsettling note. Uh, thank you, David and Evelina, for joining me. Uh, everyone who's Thanks watching... Thank you. Uh, jump in the comments. Let us know what you think about these three devices. And obviously, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that kind of stuff. Thanks. Bye. Bye.